Watch Dogs Legion is pretty good. The DualSense controller is great. And Assassin's Creed 3, well, we'll, we'll talk about it. Let's, let's make some fun. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 17 of the Making Fun Podcast. My name is Casey Johnson. Alongside me, as always, my favorite bird, my lifelong friend at Ravy Baby TV, Raven Stadmiller. Hey, guys. How's it going? Casey, how's it going? Oh, I was waiting on them to respond. Yeah, I, I <laughs> every week I always ask how it's going, and I always know that I have to specify because they can't respond to me in enough time. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd end up getting the response by via snail mail, uh, mm. or they could at me on Twitter at RavyBabyTV and tell me how they're doing when they listen to the episode. Do that. If, yeah. you, if you're listening to this part, tweet at me and just, let me know how you're doing. Just, re- or, just well, tweet at Raven it. with only the words, pretty good. Or actually how you're doing. If you're having a bad day, let me know, and then I'll just respond with a sad face emoji. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's emotional support. Well, other than, uh, other than the obvious... Uh, Raven, how are you this week? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I've got, I've, work has slowed down a little bit. I've been able to kind of get everything into a rhythm. So I've kind of gotten that all back on control, leading me more times to be less stressed out at home and play more video games, which has been so nice. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll ask you what you are playing in a second, but we are shifting some stuff yeah. today. So it's funny, Raven, because in most places... This week would not be considered a slow news week mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. In the gaming industry, though, yeah. This this last week is kind of like new-gen purgatory. It's the buildup, because like, nobody really wants to talk about it now until the embargoes are up, and the embargoes are yeah, up. Yeah, and like, as of us recording today, the Xbox series x embargo is up as far as reviews and stuff and people are like oh it's great you don't necessarily need to get it but it's really good and i have to figure probably because i know of a certain playstation podcast i list to that got pushed till tomorrow so i assume that that embargo is up tomorrow and they're probably gonna say the same thing so like there's not a ton that's actually happening yeah Exactly. We're kind of just hang, hanging out and waiting for things to go down. But due to when we have to record and schedule, we just don't really have the time to wait for that. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, no news this week, really. Um, the only real news is like you're not going to be able to get a PS5 uh, or Series X for that matter in stores uh, for a very long time. Yeah, you're only going to be able to order them online and get them shipped to you or shipped to a store. Uh, this is good in two parts. One, it allows stores to allows it's hopefully will help stores a little bit. Stop having to answer the question of where is the PlayStation five and Xbox series X uh, with the quick answer of we aren't selling them in store. And it'll also help with the current ongoing pandemic and hopefully keep things down between now and hopefully black Friday. We'll not see another resurgence of cases. And that's less about the gaming industry and more about just, you know retail in general like i think this black friday is going to look very different but and that's the news uh, <laughs> shortest news segment we were, we speed ran that this week 
Uh, we've been saying we need to be shorter. This is this is a new record, though. <laughs> so, with that being said, this will be basically divided into three parts. Uh, first things first, we are going to talk about what we've been playing, which in my case is going to include sort of a longer segment. And then we are going to answer your questions that you sent us on the DualSense controller. Raven and I both got DualSense controllers, uh, bought them with our own own green although money's not really green anymore no my my money is blue or cream and crimson depending on which card i'm using yeah it's yeah or i mean even paper money's like tan now it's no but either way we bought that with our own money and uh we've been kind of messing around with it and it's it's playable on a couple different things if you kind of finagle it so we've been doing everything that we possibly could and then from there we are going to have what i assume in our big topic will be a lively discussion (laughs) about um assassin's creed 3 we've been ranking and reviewing in order um all of the assassin's creed games games in preparation of Valhalla and man you and I feel differently about this game very Um, differently but in previous discussions that we had I know for a fact that you and I kind of have an understanding of each other so it's not like it's going to get heated exactly um with that being said let's start with our first segment of the day which as always is what have we been playing Raven you go first because if I go first then that I won't have a chance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've been playing a lot of games actually. Uh, Pokemon DLC. That's good. Pokemon DLC has uh, taken up a lot of my time. Uh, I beat Assassin's Creed rogue, finished that up. Wish I could spend more time with it, but really at the end of the day, I'm just tired of the Assassin's Creed four loop. And so I just kind of wanted to wrap that up. I'll probably go back to rogue in the future, but we'll talk about that more in about a week or two. Yep. Um, and then, unsurprisingly, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft. Or maybe surprisingly, I guess. I don't remember which one I said. Well, it's weird because everybody plays Minecraft. Or everybody has played Minecraft. But it's one of those things that takes shifts in your life. You know, like you're either playing Minecraft right now or not. <laughs> I, I So, so uh, a friend of mine messaged or a Discord that I'm in. It's like, hey, I bought a realm. Uh, come hang out in it. So all of us like popped into the realm and are kind of doing things. And so the past three nights, I've stayed up to like 1 a.m. playing Minecraft. So in the past three days, I probably spent about 15 to 16 hours playing Minecraft, which is funny because on Tuesday, uh, Casey had sent me a little tw- uh, a Twitter article and uh, was extremely surprised when I responded at like 1230 in the morning. Well, <laughs> yeah, no. So it was actually, it was last night. I got some great news at 12.38 a.m., which was that my payment for my uh, my PS5 went through on Amazon. And uh, that's very exciting because it says arriving November 12th. And tomorrow on Friday, it will say arriving Thursday. And man, I just got chills when I said that. <laughs> um, and so I like sent you a screenshot. I'm like, ah, I know he's an old man. He goes to bed early, but you know, you'll see it in the morning. And you responded right away. I'm like, who are you? And where's my raven? <laughs> Your raven died in the craft. He has been mined into something else. Well, I mean, as long as the new raven also knows about games. We- uh, well, <laughs> your your faith in past Raven knowing anything about games might be a little bit unfounded sometimes, but hopefully I know a little bit more. 
but yeah, so that is what I've been playing. Uh, tonight, I have some more plans to play Unity. I did start playing Unity after I started Rogue. Been playing through that, been enjoying that. But once again, we'll get into that, what I like and don't like about that game in the future. So make sure you are following the podcast to learn more about so it. So I had been playing through Unity a little bit myself, and obviously I've got all of my, like, standby games, right? Where I talked last week about, like, I was having some real watchdogs withdrawals because I knew that it was coming the next day, but I, I, I couldn't do anything about it. So I was like, uh, yeah, need for speed payback. Why not? <laughs> um, and... During recording last week, it was installing, and since then, that is it, folks. <laughs> I have been playing Watch Dogs Legion, and that is it. Now, as you know, Raven, uh, you don't have Watch Dogs Legion yet, no. although that's not by choice. I just wanted it for my PS5. Just Now I get to wait extra time. So, I know that you have questions. And I know that I've spent quite a bit of time with the game now, and I have answers. Um, and as a matter of fact, last night I dove a little bit more into uh, the main story, so I have a couple more answers there as well. And uh, yeah, man, that brings us to the Watch Dogs, the official Making Fun Watch Dogs Legion Buyer's Guide. You, as a consumer, what do you have for me well the first question as people who have listened probably have picked up on by now and people who are just now joining us will probably learn in the future my first question for all of these segments is is the game fun are you enjoying yourself with it It totally is fun and like if you liked watch dogs and watch dogs too you're i mean you're gonna like the gameplay of this game there are a few things that are like missing ironically that were kind of, I don't miss them necessarily but like England like the UK apparently doesn't have the same like stoplight system that we do exactly Oh really? Their yeah, their intersections are kind of set up different ways which means no stoplights which means you don't hack stoplights. Making the road explode that's not there like you can make the road explode yeah like when you hack the manhole or whatever was that a thing in one yeah you've done this you just don't remember it i don't remember it's been i've slept since i played watchdogs one <laughs> several times but yeah it's it's a lot of fun and the cool thing about it is and i know we're going to get into this a little bit you can kind of play it as any genre you want because of the recruitment system. And that kind of brings me into my next question. Like, could you tell me more about the recruitment system? Because I still have a hard time swallowing the fact that it's literally anyone. Can you recruit literally any single person that you see anywhere? Aside from like the main villains in the game. Yeah. I mean, you can recruit any of the bad guys that you're fighting. You can recruit anybody on the street. Um, and it, it does change the way that you play the game. I've found like I I will be driving, which, by the way, I'm sorry to everybody that lives in Britain and has had to play games in which you have to drive based in the United States for so long, um, <laughs> because, man, going against all of your instincts like that and like that's just how they like they live life having to do that in every video game We're we're very lucky, um, but I'll be driving in there 
and like normally I don't really care if I hit the NPCs. I I am loose and terrorizing the village. You just you just got to go to your places fast. You don't you don't care about the pixels at that point. Exactly. And like hitting an NPC now because nobody is an NPC. I feel bad. And not only that, it feels like a lost opportunity because I'm like that person that I just ran over and killed, uh, like, were they like a spy and like they were going to be my best character or whatever. But I, I do find it important to note that you don't really have to do the recruitment that much for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, everybody knows that in Ubisoft games, there are districts in the open world, all of them, and you've got to liberate it. You know, it's kind of like um, Infamous Second Son, um, which I know you and I both loved. You would have to, like, assault a base and do something else and, like, do, like, graffiti or something like that. And those would be your big things in order to um, decrease the presence of... Uh, the bad guys in that area, right? Yeah. This is kind of like that. So, like, there are three things that you do in each borough, and then a main mission that you do in that borough, and it's more so about convincing the people of London to fight back and inspiring them to. So, like, for instance, the um, the big Ferris wheel um, is all covered in, like, Albion, which is the the paramilitary people that are running the city it's all covered in their like propaganda and it's not running or anything and in one of them in one of the main missions you fight a bunch of drones blow up their propaganda and light up the ferris wheel and start it again and somebody is like wow it feels like the way that it should be you know it feels good to see and there's there's another one that's kind of like that with big ben too and like giving them the sense of normalcy to make them realize that they want normalcy so that they'll fight back it's very deep when you think about it and after you do that and you make a burrow resistant you get a skilled operative so, it, you know there's like and one of them is one of those like robot beekeepers um, and one of them is a spy and one of them is a professional hitman. And, you know, the list goes on and on. Those are your skilled recruits. And you begin to realize that all of these people do play differently. Like the same core gameplay is there, obviously. But you begin to find the way that you want to play the game. So, for instance... I have an operative that I got from clearing, actually the first borough that I cleared, who is a spy. And her name is uh, Jane Robinson, I think. Something like that. And she has a pistol that has a silencer. She's got a smart watch that will send out an EMP that, like, jams enemies' guns. She also has, for her personal property, a spy car that includes a cloaking feature. So you can make your car invisible and very easily get away if you're being chased or whatever. And so I was like, this is great. And so even though not all of my operatives are spies, 
because in certain portions of the game, you do have to recruit certain people. Like, very early on in the story mode, you have to recruit a construction worker because this is just... So you're saying my grandma-only run is not possible. It's not possible. It's. It, I mean, you can... To my knowledge, there's no way to kick people off of your team. So at the very least, you'll always have stragglers. Um, not only that, some places require, like, parkour and stuff to get to. So I've seen people on YouTube who are kind of trying to do a granny speed run or whatever. Whatever, but like it's not very practical I'll say that much zero out of ten getting my refund <laughs> flawed game so I I thought she was awesome and not everybody in my dead sec is a spy but I have made dead sec a spy organization because the gameplay with the gadgets and the shooting for some reason it just sparked my memory of um, 007 everything or nothing which was one of my favorite games as a kid and I love those old James Bond games and I was like well this is kind of like that so this is how I'm gonna play it everybody's in suits even the construction guy is in a suit he's wearing like his construction vest but he's got a shirt <laughs> and tie under it and I wanted to find some more spies so I started thinking hey where might spies be so I went to the building for MI6 and that's where spies spawn a lot of the time. So it makes a lot of sense. And that's back to the whole, how is it really true that everybody's recruitable? If you do it for long enough, you can see the algorithm in action. You know, you've got randomized character models. Based on those randomized character models, it randomizes a name that fits with that character model. And then it, you know, creates a job for them based on, like, where you're at in the city to a certain extent. Higher class areas are where you're going to find lawyers and stuff like that. Um, and then lower class, I mean, you can literally just recruit homeless people all day, and even they have their benefits. Uh, and then from there, it randomly assigns them a job and then traits to go along with that job. So, like, you can very much see how much of the sausage is made in that, uh, in that system, but it's still cool to me every time. And things happen in that city that make it a connected city. So, like, last night I was playing. You don't even know this. I haven't told you yet because we've been talking a little bit about the, the game. Suddenly I get an alert that one of my operatives has been kidnapped. And he's been kidnapped by the brother of an Albion guard that I killed doing one of my missions. And he's kidnapped one of my operatives to get revenge. This is just organic. This just happened. So I've got to go save that operative. And in cutscenes and stuff, and you've got a home base, like your other operatives are hanging around in um, either cutscenes or like, you know, like driving style cutscenes where like you're in the game, but their little face pops up or whatever and they're talking the team all talks to one another and they all have different lines and it really makes it feel like you're building something and that you really are connected. And that's just it. The more I get into it, the more I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. That does kind of lead me into my last question here. One of my biggest concerns since the games come out, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before is that not having you having a main character and like having a main cast might kind of, detach itself from the story a little bit and might make it feel weird 
what do you, what is your opinion on the game not necessarily having a main character but letting you be literally anybody on the street? So I do have a problem with it, yet I don't have a problem with it. Um, and if if you ask me this question every five minutes, I'll probably have a different answer because <laughs> sure. there are moments when I really do miss it. However, at the same time, there's like a dead sec operative from before the attacks that is kind of your person in the chair to use Spider-Man homecoming terms. Um, And then there's also an AI that is like, again, to use MCU terms, it's like the Jarvis of the game or whatever. Um, That is like, his name is Bagley and he's actually really fantastic. So like you do have those figureheads. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels just a little bit disjointed at times. Um, and you, the team building and stuff like that and everybody talking to each other, it, at certain times it makes you feel very immersed. I kind of wish that there was, like, instead of that one dead sec operative being your person in the chair, I wish they were, I wish she was the main character. And that you could play as your other recruits, almost kind of like a really, really advanced, um, creed building system from assassin's creed brotherhood where you like get your recruits that can go out and do their own thing but also let you play as them and like yeah exactly okay and then like if one of because okay so the permadeath thing has been overstated it's not actually on by default it's one of those things you have to set at the beginning of your playthrough so like when you're person dies they go to the hospital and they aren't available for so long so like if you have a doctor or something like that, mm-hmm. they might not be at the hospital for as long. And just co- cool little things like that. But, like, my point is, say, I'm playing as Jane because I am maining her because now I know she's not going to die forever. Otherwise, I would be scared. <laughs> but let's say she was just the main character, which would allow her to have, like, an actual voice actor and really good cutscenes and all that stuff. I would do the main missions with her. But if she was in the... Um, if I needed to infiltrate a construction site or if I needed to infiltrate Albion, then I could do that as well as the other people. Or if she was incapacitated for a while, I could play as the other people. I think that it is just like almost there. But nevertheless, the gameplay is fun and the story's pretty cool, and I'm really enjoying it, and especially if you liked the first couple of Watch Dogs, I'd recommend getting it. Yeah, I'm very excited to have my hands on it, but November 30th is a pretty far time away, but it gives me enough time to play all the other games that are coming out between now and then. Is there anything that you currently have your hands on? Um, now there is. I have in my hands currently a DualSense controller, which, if I know correctly, Casey, you also have in your hands. I do. Um, so we decided that we, since we had our DualSense controllers early because these things had a street date before the actual console and games do, uh, we decided that since we both got an extra one and we had them out and we were kind of messing around with them, we'd take it to Twitter and ask Twitter what they thought about what what, what questions they had and what they kind of wanted us to answer. Yeah, and, and to be clear... Um you kind of halfway said it, but I'll make sure that it's absolutely clear. These were not, we were totally not provided 
these by PlayStation. We bought them. We don't get provided things by PlayStation. But you know one thing that we have that all of those so-called influencers don't have? Jealousy. And... This is very true. Sony, they, if, you, if you're listening, we will take free stuff. Don't oh, get us wrong. 100%. No, the, the first thing that I wanted to say was that, because that is going to become a little bit of a factor in one of these questions. So I just wanted to... So the first question here is from at goop underscore FDR. Can it withstand my gamer hands full of Dorito dust and Mountain Dew? And the answer is like, probably not i mean it is a white it's off-white albeit but it's still a white controller and not to mention that the grip on the underside on the two wings where like your hands actually sit are embed like embossed with the little um playstation controller symbols yeah the sacred symbols yeah so all of those are all along there and so even though they're too small to see they might end up being in the cracks there and so like you might be able to wipe it off with yeah you might be able to wipe it off with some alcohol if you get to it fast enough, but overall, you might might be a bit worried about that. Now may be a time to start practicing good hygiene, as much as we all hate to. <laughs> you guys should have been practicing good hy- hygiene for COVID reasons, but uh, my biggest thing, like this controller... Not if I never leave my house. Oh, yeah. I'm keeping, like, hand wipes beside my chair at all times. Yeah, Just because this thing just, the matte finish on the top does feel like it would smudge easily. Or not, like, it wouldn't smudge easily, but, like, if I had, like, pizza grease on my hands and I touched the controller, it would definitely leave a smudge with little to no effort. The next question here. Um, is Carmen San Diego on the controller somewhere? You know, I've been looking, uh, and I've been trying, trying to find out. As you mentioned, the underside is embossed with those sacred symbols, um, that are you know the X square and triangle and circle. I was hoping that one of them would be a little Carmen San Diego. Um, spent a couple of hours with a magnifying glass. Haven't found anything yet. I'll let you know next week. Sounds great. Uh, that question was brought to us from at Alex Leamy. Great question. Next question from at BRFunk3 on Twitter asks, how much of it can you fit in your mouth? I don't know, man. Probably like up to where the wing meets like Here, the joystick. Let, let me, let me. <coughs> Casey, are you, are you okay over there? <coughs> Teeth um, to the D-pad. <coughs> God, that's... Why would you do that? Are you okay? Do you need me to call <coughs> it? People doctor? need to know. I mean, you could have just guesstimated. I'm not putting my controller in my mouth. Well, that's that's why I host the show. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, you could probably fit a decent amount of it in there, but there's no way you're going to fit the whole controller in your mouth. And for those of you who are wondering if I actually did that, you better believe it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody here had a, had a doubt about that. (laughs) No, Casey, we all know the type of person that you are. (laughs) Um, next question from at Travis Lenneman asks, do you think the glossy finish on the buttons will make them too slippery? Um, you know, I've been thinking about this one quite a bit and the answer I've come to is like, probably not. You know, you might, at first it might kind of slide off, but as you kind of use the controller and get kind of used to how the sl- the glide is, I feel like everything will, you won't have to worry about it too much. I mean, I'm just sitting here with my finger on it and it's like, yeah, it's moving around a little bit, but if I'm like pressing it in a direction, my finger is not slipping off of it. There's enough of it. There's enough of an, uh, of a depress whenever I press the controller 
button that like it's not going anywhere you it doesn't feel that obviously it feels different than the uh than the the dual shock four but it doesn't feel that different to where it makes this like huge difference i think the whole thing with the glossy finish is just the fact that it's clear and there's a little bit of like almost like a, a stockholm syndrome me but not exactly like a placebo effect basically um to where it's going to seem slipperier than it is but like if you close your eyes i i don't think there's actually too much difference you could definitely like slide your finger across them relatively easily but while you're playing it i don't think it'll be too slippery i think you'll still be able yeah to if, if you're playing hardcore like a a fighting game or something like that that's the only time i would worry yeah next question here from at mc crystal mech asks i've heard the haptic feedback on this controller is one of the most touted features what's your take on it anything in particular that impressed you the most about it this is why we have the disclaimer. We just have the controllers. Um, even though these controllers do currently work with Steam, we, we can't get the haptic feedback. Uh, the, the the triggers on Steam are either off or on. There's no, like, in-between on it. Right. And then, you know, for, like, the really advanced rumble functions that they're talking about, mm-hmm. there's no way for us to know about that yet. Now, I will say there is one way. Raven, I don't even know if you n- knew this. Uh, You probably do. You know everything. You're Raven. Uh, (laughs) But like you can and I for the love of God, I don't know why. But the DualSense does work on the PlayStation 3. (laughs) Um, Wait, three? it doesn't even work on the PS4. No, I I know. I know. I know. I know. Either way, though, um, when you do that, the rumble function does work. So you can feel, although it's just the basic rumble function, um, you can feel, Raven, this is difficult to explain, <laughs> but you can, you can feel how good it's going to be by the general rumble function. Like you can tell like the points at which it's vibrating and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you can just tell there's something advanced about it. And, Like I said, I don't know yet. There are, I mean, I've seen videos on Twitter of like the adaptive trigger pushing back against you and all this stuff, but like I haven't experienced any of it yet and neither of you. Yeah. But seven days, we will have a better answer to that question. Maybe we'll revisit these questions. Some of these um, ones that are more oriented on gameplay uh, next week. That one in particular. It's going to be that question that we... <laughs> that Well, that one, and then the glossy finished one, too, we could probably revisit. Oh, that, that's fair. That's fair. Just to talk about like how it actually feels after playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla for an obscenely long amount of time. But uh-huh. the final question we have this week is from at EmilyLynn1213. And who sh- is she, by the way? She keeps messaging us <laughs> and replying. She's an icon, truly, is what she is. <laughs> Um, she asks, does it still really need the touchpad thingy? I mean, yeah, Yeah. it it is back. The console itself is backwards compatible. It does need that button to work at the end of the day. Even if it doesn't have the touch feature on it, it's still an extra button, which can be used. I mean, I've been playing so many games that just the, the map button, if you just press down on it, it's just, it's just the map button. Everybody uses it for that at this point. And you know, there, there are little things and little times that I like it being a slightly larger button too. Yeah. Like in almost all of the sports games, that's how you call timeout. And there's something nice about like, especially in, 
like a football game of some sort. I will not say the M word because I don't want to ruin your Thursday. Uh. Um, <laughs> but it's too late. I'm already mad. Like <laughs> you've got to. Sometimes you've got to call a timeout right away. Like it's split second sometimes in football and being able to like not worry because all that used to always be like the select button on the older controllers like DualShock 3 and before. Yeah. And it's really nice not having to worry about that level of precision like you can just do it. Um, Also, I will say. I'm a fan of the touchpad when it's implemented right. Yeah. Um, like s- games like Ghost of Tsushima, Infamous Second Son really implemented it correctly. I would like to see more of that in the next generation, but of course, third parties aren't going to do that. No, they don't. They're so. not going to specify an entire division to make a feature work with the touchpad on the PS5 controller that then they can't use for the other platforms it's going on to so yeah it it doesn't make sense but for the games that do use it i like it and otherwise you know i'm a fan of not wasting space on the controller yeah and so i'm I'm cool with it we've seen we've seen the xbox elite controller succeed for lord only knows how long because it has the paddles and the extra buttons on the back i mean hell i use my keyboard and mouse because i have all these extra buttons like my mouse has two extra buttons on the side my original mouse i bought from this computer had 12 extra buttons on the side yeah so having the extra real estate space and having the extra buttons is never a bad thing um and lord only knows that even though i have all these extra buttons that the user interface for gta and red dead is still extremely obtuse but that is all the questions that we have. And I want to thank you guys again for asking us this. I really enjoy it. Um, we'll try to do it more consistently and answer your guys' questions about anything. Um, next yep. week, we might we might try and do uh, any of your guys' questions about any PlayStation 5 games. So yeah, check out no, Twitter for, for sure. those. And um, just, I will say, as one parting gift um, for the DualSense, I will say the thing that has impressed me most about it, ironically, is the microphone. Um, It was connected to my PC and I accidentally recorded something a couple of days ago with my microphone and I'm like, oh, dang it. But then I went ahead and listened to it back and it is a shockingly good microphone. So what I did um, before we started recording here, I recorded a little sample and here in a second, I'm going to have Raven play that for you and then we'll move on to the next thing. Uh, Raven, what were you going to say? Microphone's good. Here's Casey talking. Okay, I am recording this right now through my DualSense controller. I'm holding it in my hands right exactly at the level that I would be holding it at if I were playing a game. I'm not looking directly into it or anything. I'm actually looking straight forward, not even close to like it. So if you're wondering how good the microphone is, this is how good it is. Casey talked. Yeah, so, K- Casey But yeah, so the, the microphone overall has been extremely, extremely on par like it's about the quality that you could expect from like a blue snowball right maybe a little bit worse maybe a little bit better you could argue either way but that's about what you're expecting so you're expecting about a 30 dollar microphone built into this man uh, listen people controllers are expensive now okay yeah. 
and especially headed into this generation, controllers have never there's, been cheap either. Yeah, well, that's a completely separate, you know, because they were like fifty dollars for the Wii. Like an extra Wii Mote was like fifty bucks. But like, there is so much technology in these controllers now, especially now that we're talking adaptive triggers and haptic feedback, where you can feel every individual grain of sand as you're running through the sand, like. Two microphones. We have, yeah, we especially have... of that quality. Don't complain about how much controllers are. They're worth it. I mean, yeah, you could still complain about it, but they are definitely worth the money that you spend. Um, I'm excited to actually attempt to play some games with this controller later. Okay, let let me rephrase. S- stop coming to Disc Replay in Columbus, Indiana, and complaining about how <laughs> expensive the controllers are. That's how much they are. What are they expecting to do? Be able to talk you down? Be like, just try to haggle yeah, with no, you? No, that, that is exactly what they expect. What do, what do they want to spend on a controller? Like 20 bucks? I'd love to spend $20 on a controller. Yeah, that's exactly what they want. I ain't spending $60 on no controller. Okay, You're bye. not getting a controller. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> Take care. XOXO. Well, now that I'm riled up, let's move on to the next thing. And our final thing for the day. (laughs) Oh, and you're about to get even more riled up. Oh, yeah. So we have been ranking, as I said earlier, every single one of the Assassin's Creed games as we go through them. We've, We've gone through the first four on the last month of shows, and it's been a wonderful existence. Uh, our ranking as it sits from bottom to top, starting with the game that we like the least as of right now, is, uh, the original Assassin's Creed, followed by Brotherhood, followed by Revelations, and then, of course, at the top. And it's going to be very difficult for any game to knock this off of its perch, I feel, um, Assassin's Creed 2. Spoiler alert, I don't think any game will top it, but we'll talk I, about that later. I really don't either. So, now we are to Assassin's Creed 3, which is many things. Um, it is the end of the Desmond... Uh, situation. <laughs> uh, story. Yeah. Uh, it is the beginning of a lot of new iteration in the franchise. They changed up the parkour engine. They changed up a lot of the uh, controls, and they introduced a new protagonist for this game that never made another appearance. His name is Connor or Raton Haketon. Um, Radon Gaeton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the home. The fact that I got that close was a miracle. Um, and so now it is time to talk about this. When we were running through all of our games, I was very excited about running through this game uh, because I have so many good memories of this game uh, from when it first came out. It was one of the first releases that I was like there for and into. At a time, to- at that time, I had a pretty specific fascination with the birth of our country um, and the history surrounding that. It was like made for me and I could not wait to go back to it. And gosh darn it, uh, do do I dislike this game. Meanwhile, I, on the other hand, really liked playing through this game again. I had a blast. So Raven's going to kind of present his argument and then I'm going to present my argument and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So uh, what you got, buddy? So we're going to start off strong here. Uh, The first point that I have, I have a list. Um, My very first point is that I think Connor is an extremely interesting character that has a lot of flaws. So what I mean by the flaws is that I think that 
even though I think he's a really interesting character who has a lot of buildup that could have a lot of really good accomplishments, I can understand that they just don't work out sometimes. Um, but as a character himself, Connor has really good buildup, right? He watches his mom die. He watches a lot of his village burn down from people that are trying to take over their land. Um, you know, he thinks that this man, he, so he then has the vendetta against Charles Lee because he thinks that Charles Lee is the one who did it, spends his entire life, you know, trying to figure out how to take vengeance on these man, on these men to try and get back and actually take them on. Right. Um, he's very, very poignant, no nonsense. He knows what needs done. He's going to do it and all that fun jazz. I think that he's not to mention that his whole dynamic with his father is one of my favorite character interactions or character dynamics out of any of the Assassin's Creed games that we've played to date. Um, the interactions that he has with the father that he never knows that he has to end up working with about halfway through, through the game is extremely interesting to me, but we'll get to hate them later. Yeah. Um, so counterpoint Connor's terrible. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's funny because this is like one of the biggest debates in, in Assassin's Creed lore because people are either like, I would be hard pressed, I think, to find anybody who like really loves Connor like and is passionate about Connor, um, although I'm sure they're out there. But like you either are like are OK with Connor or he ruined the game for you and he ruined the game for me. Um, he is such a douchebag to everybody at all times, whether he is on their side or not on their side. He treats everybody terribly. Um, he never, he never really learns to plan things out. Like granted, he never makes the same mistake twice in the game, but he does make the same mistake twice of like running in without a plan. And just thinking with his heart or, you know, not letting the whole thing get to his head and rash decisions kind of. thing. Yeah. And anybody who tries to tell him, including his mentor, anybody who's like, hey, you should think this out more. He's like, screw you. And I hate you. And then he goes and he fails. And they're like, see, you should. And he's like, what do you know, old man? And it's like, well, I, I. I told you that this would yeah. not go well, so obviously I know something. And he's like, I'm leaving, and I'm never coming back. Yeah, and then, but, I mean, but on the other side of that coin, right, Connor spends a lot of time getting the homestead up and running. He spends a lot of time getting people uh, from various points, helping them out, you know, starting romances between two of his homestead people, working hard to actually make the homestead something that people want to live at. So he's personable in those interactions. I just think that I think Connor's biggest problem is just that he is told that he can't do something properly. And I think that he's just growing up was just tired of hearing that he was told wrong. And so he just wants to prove that he can he's there for a reason that he can do what he's there to do. But it just comes across in a not great way. I'll admit it. Connor's not like my favorite protagonist, but I think that he has a lot of interesting things going for him that unfortunately end up falling flat. I also found him incredibly one note um and very bland for most of it i i felt like most of his dialogue most of his recorded lines came from the era where they could barely fit voice 
onto like a, a cartridge. Sure. And they only had one shot at it and they just had to go with whatever take. Like, and I don't, I don't blame that on the voice actor because I think he did a good job trying, but I do, I do blame it on the writing because there was, there was not a lot of, well, let me rephrase. There was a lot of depth to him, but you really had to search for it. Like hardcore, you had to search for it. And like with like, for instance, Ezio, Ezio only gets deeper as you look more and more, but you also don't have to look that far to realize that he's a fantastic character. And, you know, even at all points in the game, he is, you know, he's able to, to joke about what's happening. He's always nice to people. He always acts with respect and honor and kills people. And Connor just, he isn't that. He's very, you know, he's rude to everybody. He's very monotone. And he just, after a while, um, and by a while, I mean like two hours, it really began to wear on me to where like he's being so mean to everybody. And this is where you and I differ, right? Because you enjoy a really good story in a game but you don't need it necessarily and it, you don't get as far into it. I need a good story in a game. Otherwise, I just I can't do it. And I felt about him kind of the way that I felt about Stephen Strange in the Doctor Strange movie. Okay. Because Stephen Strange up until like the end of Act 3 had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And I found it very hard to root for him. And I find it very hard to root for Connor when I want to take him into a corner and make him think about what he's done for a little bit rather than barging into this next mission where I know it's going to go badly. And I would stop him if I could. And it, it just seemed like that over and over again for for the for a wide portion of the game. And so actually I think the best thing that describes his character to me or at the very least this one moment holds every hallmark of why I don't like Connor. Okay. okay. And it's actually not in that game. It's in Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation. Um, which we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks along with Rogue. We're going to kind of double barrel shotgun that. Um, so in that game, Aveline is coming up to meet Connor because she's tracked somebody up there or whatever it was. And she goes, hey, uh, I'm Aveline. I guess I'm uh, I'm your assassin brother from down south, you know. And he goes, why, yes, Achilles told me that you would come. Let me lead you to the place that our enemies have gone. And I'm like, oh, ah, that there's a that's why I don't like the Connor character. Yeah. And so and that could do it. Right. But then from like a technical standpoint, and I'm not saying excuses, because that is how Connor does portray himself a lot of the time in three alone and like standalone. Right. But it could be something to do with the, with the limiting uh, amount of audio files that they could have on a PS Vita cartridge. And it could also just, that could have been a line that they had just with like a one-off. They're like, okay, uh, also record these couple of random lines that we might use down the road. And so they just kind of did that and they couldn't get him. They didn't want to bring him back in for just a take of just that one line. I don't know how much he talks in liberation. Um, there, there's a okay. lot, let's say, cause it would be, it would be extremely excessive if it was just like that one line they need to bring him in for. Um, but if it was a couple more, like it's probably just how they 
decided. No, to I mean it's a it's a solid out. hour of gameplay. So okay, uh. okay. <laughs> Well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Connor Connor does have a little bit of a bland side, but he does in my opinion have some interesting parts. No, no, he's got an in, he's got interesting sides. He has a bland front. He, <laughs> that's not side at all. Um, but yeah, no, that's my thing about Connor. And honestly, that's my biggest negative about this game, although I do have plenty more that we're about to talk about. But when I despise the character that I am playing as, I can't get past it. Right. And that's something that's really hard to do, right? Like I we'll talk about this more later, but in Assassin's Creed three, I didn't necessarily I'm more into the gameplay, but I couldn't get into the story that was happening in Liberation, like at all. So, like, it was trying to tell me, like, this is Aveline, and then she's trying to do whatever. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, well, who is this character? Like, what's going on? So, it, it did it, and I just kind of got bored of it because I just didn't have any motivating factor. So, it's like, a story is not really that important to me, but whenever it feels like everything's just kind of, nothing's happening for a reason, it kind of put me off. But anyway, we'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. Uh, my next point about why I think Assassin's Creed 3 is actually pretty fun. Uh, the world is really interesting to explore. I think this is the game that has the perfect balance of towns to walk around and explore versus like an open wilderness kind of area. So you have New York, you have Boston uh, that you could walk around and explore, um, kind of getting an idea, walking around the towns, walking over the buildings, getting from place to place, not to mention the underground that you can walk around, find puzzles and lets you fast travel. Um, And then you kind of do that in the town. You see all these people, all this fun stuff. And then you can go out into the... the, um, frontier walk around the frontier uh walk around through the trees ride your horse find animals hunt animals side note the hunting in this game is the most interesting crafting system in my opinion the actual hunting and being able to trap and track is really cool um that none of the other games that have like a hunting feature really implement very well um but being able to do all that in the frontier was really interesting and it kind of helped break up the monotony a lot of the times if you if you chose to seek that out. So this is this is more of a taste thing for me, I guess, uh, although I think there are certain parts of it that are pretty much uh, inarguable, and I'll, I'll get to that too. I hated the world. Um, I couldn't stand it. Um, I felt like, for one, I hated the wilderness. Um, it never felt like there was always a good way to get around like what trees can I climb up which ones can I not and even even once you learn this like there are plenty of places where like there's just not a path through the trees and so most of my time in the wilderness is like on a horse riding through the wilderness sure um on the on the road I also did not like the cities uh, I felt, well, number one, I felt like both of the cities were the same city. I never knew where I was at. Um, there was no, like in Assassin's Creed 2, all of the places that you go are incredibly unique. And I felt like Boston and New York, just the same city. I mean, I, I disagree. I, I think that also could be in part of just how quickly after one after another, New York and Boston were created. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and then, and then also, like I kind of liked in New York that the 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 burnt down houses were a landmark there. Um, yeah, like overall, they do feel similar, but there are distinct characteristics. But you kind of do have to hunt for them every once in a while, and that's kind of not great. Yeah, um, I didn't like. Okay, I was fine with the fast travel system. I didn't like how far the fast travel system went. So I thought, you know. 
for for a second I was like, oh, this is cool. I have to um, go set my own first fast travel point. That kind of like gives me an insight into it, which is cool because in the Ezio trilogy, you never like went in the tunnels. You just knew that the tunnels were there. Um, and then I realized that I had to set every fast fa- travel point by wandering around in the dark beneath the city. And I was like, screw that. I'm not doing that. I spent probably, I, I enjoyed doing it cause I do like puzzles and such. I think I spent like two or three hours getting all the viewpoints in at least one of, I think I got, a, I think I got them in all the towns, but I did spend a lot of time doing it cause I thought it was interesting. It was a, once again, it was a nice change of pace in the gameplay. Like there was some stealth areas that you had to do and take out some enemies that were down there. But for the most part, you're kind of just walking around. Um, with that being said, it was really easy to get lost and actually finding some doors sometimes was a bit complicated, but mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was a nice little thing to try and like break up the, what could get very monotonous about walking around and doing just the main missions. And and speaking of monotony in the city, um, this open world felt so small. And by that, I mean, there was not a lot to do in it. I mean, you had your stuff here and there, but overall to me, it felt very empty. And um, Ubisoft would agree with me. Uh, they are, I mean, on record as saying they didn't really like the setting that they were working in. They didn't like having to do the wilderness. And uh, they put in a weather system to try to fill it out. <laughs> so when there's not like a lot going on, I get bored very easily. I, I do feel, though, too, that that's kind of just um, an unfortunate byproduct, right? Of just like it's hard to find passion and put passion into it. Uh, my biggest gripe with the wilderness, though, is that like as soon as you have the open world, as soon as you get your robes from Achilles and you can walk around the frontier, you're instantly like, OK, now you can go raid these British camps. And I'm kind of just like, but why? Why? Why can I do that? Why does this make sense for the character? And let's not let's not mince words here. I'm having that same exact realization currently in Unity. And I've had it in the other Assassin's Creed games. Like I'm in Unity right now and I'm like, OK, that's cool. I'm currently a. I'm currently uh, trying to fix up the opera or the theater house. Why can I do that? Why is that a thing? I I did think it was uh, overall. I did like I, I did like the ability to kind of walk around through the trees. Um, I, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't amazing, and neither was the town. But they were both different enough that I could go to one or the other at any point in the game yeah. and kind of walk around and get a different a different feel for what was going on. Meanwhile, in four, I'm in my boat and then I'm doing the awful, not great land sections. And there's not really a good in between on that. I will say I completely disagree with you about your point about unity, but in three weeks we will talk about that. Um, Cause I feel like that's very well explained. Uh, but yeah, so I really didn't like the open world. Um, a lot of the gameplay in it was good. I had little gripes, about the gameplay. Um, I didn't like... Because you never know when you decide to fight the guards how long more guards are going to keep coming. And so I generally try to do the parkour to get away from them because in all the Assassin's Creed games, I just find that that's the easiest. And man, is it not in this game. Oh my goodness, they follow you forever. And... I didn't like the notoriety systems implementation in this game, although I think that's a flawed system from the beginning, but it's a video game. What are you going to do? It, it was so... You were either like, 
you couldn't walk in the city without being killed or nobody knew who you were and there were not enough good places to lower your notoriety so i just felt hunted most of the time yeah it's just it, notoriety like you mentioned is just a flawed system like in any of the games it's like oh like it's a neat idea because then i can't just go around aimlessly killing guards and then it's like okay so i kill a guard and i get caught for it and i run away and escape and then i see a poster of myself and rip it down and suddenly i'm no longer a murderer like it just it isn't great in this game i think they tried to raise the stakes but they did a little bit too much and so since then since we've seen they've just eliminated the notoriety system uh from here on out at least on land there's just basically no more notoriety and you're fine. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes sense. So, and then just two small gripes with the gameplay. I don't like the killing blow that is the knee strike that like knots them back into the wall. Okay. I don't see any reason why I stabbed this guy eight times and he didn't die, but a, uh, a knee lift is what does it. Uh-huh. I just don't, I just, <laughs> it's like, why? Um, and it, it would be one thing if it only happened every once in a while, but it's like three times a fight, you kill a guy with your knee. Um, and then I missed medicine, and that ended up coming back for some later games too. Some way to regain your health. So something. I, I missed it too. Like it wasn't in, it, it, it left from three, and it wasn't in Rogue or Unity or, or Rogue or Four or liberation it's back in unity but not for long unfortunately but yeah i agree i think that the medicine is great um, i'm really happy that it's back in unity i just wish it was a staple um and then i don't like the um the new parkour controls uh you just hold down the right trigger rather than the right trigger and a button and to me i had more accidents doing that where like i jumped off of a building to my death mm, i just do that all the time that's just a natural uh, part <laughs> well, of being yeah. me i'm like oh i can make that jump and then connor or any of the characters the amount of times i go gosh dang it insert main character name here like it's just a constant thing i just have to do because they don't they don't do exactly what i want sometimes but i think that's just also part of just assassin's creed um honestly i think i had the most trouble with the parkour in black flag um is yes the is what i remember the worst parkour being out well of all there of wasn't a lot to parkour on was the main issue but that's a discussion that we'll have next week um so to round out the things that i have going on here unless you had something else you want to talk about with gameplay not no i i just uh, i think we just need to finish up here with the things that we both find positive yes uh so the main thing that we both find positive is that the introduction to assassin's creed 3 is one of the best introductions to the assassin's creed series period one of the best i, I mean i'll go so far as to say one of the best intros in video games the 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 ride that it took you on, man. Because mm -hmm. you're like, imagine circa 20, what, 10, 2011, 2009. I don't remember exactly when this game came out. I'm old and can't remember. Um, circa whenever this game was announced, right? Connor's all over the promotional material. Everywhere. Connor, Connor, Connor. Right? You're like, okay, I'm going to play as this guy. I'm going to learn like about Native American history. I'm going to play through it. It's going to be great. And then you're presented with Haytham. And you're like, who the who the heck is this old geezer? Like, who is this guy? And then over the course of the game, like over the course you're playing as him, you're like, okay, it's a good way to like learn how to do it, all that fun stuff. And then you figure out who Haytham is and it's like a big reveal. And it's like, wow, that is huge. Like, that's amazing. Like nobody really saw that coming. And it set up a really interesting stage for the dynamic that Haytham and Connor would have for the rest of the game. And, and their dynamic was the best thing about this game by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, watching the internal struggle between like, like, it's not even a struggle half the time, right? Connor's, like, 
Haytham, I despise you. He doesn't even call him dad at any point. He only refers to him as Haytham because Haytham is not his dad. Like he's his father at a very literal term, but he like does not do anything for him. Yeah, exactly. And so like watching him have to kind of work with Haytham to try and like make some things work out because they're both after common goals a lot of the time is really, really fascinating. Um, Watching them have to like fight and having to watch Connor actually kill Haytham himself um, is a really kind of touching and sad moment almost. Fun fact. Haytham let Connor kill him. Really? There, there's a whole conspiracy video. I'll, I'll send you the link. But I, I do firmly believe he let he let Connor kill him. There, he had like eight different opportunities during that little cutscene to just to kill Connor, and like both of his arms were hanging at his sides. He, he could have. I mean, like he had. Besides, why did he? He knew about the hidden blades, you know. Like it, he had, he, he had, he let him, he had hidden blades. Yeah. So like he fully, and I'll, I'll definitely send you the link to that video here in a second. one of my favorite Assassin's Creed YouTubers, he, uh, he let him kill him hundred percent, which I think is just a, even an, a deeper, awesome thing in their relationship. Right. Because as you kind of are playing as Connor and you're working with Haytham, Haytham's kind of figuring out like all of the stuff that his, Templars are doing are not really some sometimes aren't like what he does like don't get me wrong Haytham is a bad person he murders people just because right like there are multiple times in the series where he tries to get information out of somebody he gets the information that he wants and then he kills them anyway because Haytham's not a good person which is a really unfortunate um to learn about the history of why Haytham is like that but that's a whole other series that we don't even want to start thinking about right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I would go as far as to say that Haytham is probably the best character in three. I don't think it's close either. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I, I mean, unless you're counting some of the like, unless you're counting Desmond, you know, <laughs> like, which I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't count out either. I don't even think Desmond's. I, yeah. I mean, Desmond's a good character. I think his performance in three was fine, but. It's, it isn't like a high bar because Connor's like pretty one monotone character who like you like him or you are fine with you, you hate him or you're fine with him. Um, and then not to mention that um, Achilles is just not I did not. Weirdly enough, I was I was fine with Achilles a lot of the time. But other times I was just like, Achilles, you're like not you're not really you're just kind of a cranky old man. <laughs> Yeah, and the assassins, which we'll get into this more with with Rogue, but the colonial assassins just terrible at being assassins. Yeah, they're not. They're not just great. not even good at their job. Uh, and, that, and that's kind of in part. Whenever you finish the homestead missions, they create the flag for the homestead, and I'm pretty. And like I said, I've, it has the assassins. Uh, the homestead flag has the assassins logo on it, and you're kind of like, no, you don't want to fly your flag. You don't want to n- let people know where you are. Why are you drawing attention to yourself? You're you're a blade in the crowd. What are you doing? Yeah, we just I just had that reminder in Unity. They're like, you're the blade in the crowd. You are this. You are that. And I'm just like, yep. But and like I said, like it, it's Hatham is a super interesting and fascinating character. Connor getting through his vendetta and like actually killing the people that he's going after, watching it all happen, and then seeing him as he's doing it, not really being rewarding is kind of what I really liked about him. Like he's killing all these people, and Charles Lee is the only one left alive. And I know a lot of people at the end of the game are like, oh, he just says, where's Charles Lee? Like all the time. And it's like, he says it a couple of times, but it's not nearly as bad as I remember people making it out to be. Um, but also he is on a personal vendetta mission. It's the last person that he knows of 
in the colon- in the colonies that is a Templar, and that's like the last thing between him and them. So the modern day in this game, I think, was great. Um, I loved parkouring around and the, like the things from Juno and learning about what really happened to the ones who came before, who we now know in the series as the Isu. Um, or the precursors I, or whatever yeah. other term they're wanting to use. Yeah. Currently, I think they're still on Isu. But I might, okay. I might be I'm about to say about I'm in that. Unity and they're on Precursor right now. So I, um, I think that going out and actually doing things as Desmond uh, was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had... Because, you know, the whole thing was we all kind of thought that it would build up to a game where you were Desmond and you finally took down the Templars for good. And that's... Ooh, that ending. Um, but, like, that was a little glimpse of what I had wanted. And it just left me wishing that there had been more. Um, and... I think the, the problem, though, with that is that since then, Ubisoft's come out on record saying that they're never going to make an Assassin's Creed game that's focused in real life. They're not going to make an Assassin's Creed game that has any sort of setting within a world that has cars because they've said that people won't spend a lot of time exploring the world and they'll instead, instead just be driving around from place to place. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it The only way that that would work is if it were just like a linear story-based game, which is not what Assassin's Creed is. I mean, it would be interesting to try once, but like, no. Um, the The only thing, the only issue that I had with the the modern day portion of it was the fact that I thought it was a little weird how some of the stuff lined up to the stuff that was happening in the past. And maybe they were going for this. I don't know, but it didn't strike me in like a like a deep, profound way so much as just like it kind of annoyed me. Where in Connor's story, he's like, maybe the Assassins and the Templars can work together. And then 30 seconds later, Desmond gets out of the Animus and Warren Vidic is like, we've got your father, Mr. Miles. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, okay. I mean, so I guess that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, but I see it as the other way, right? I see it as, oh, you know, he gets out of the Animus. And it's so, so like, if a player there is sitting there, the idea is that they're sitting there and they're like, wow, maybe we can work together. You know, Connor's been working with Haytham and they've been getting stuff done that they both needed to get done. And then you get out and then you just see the the reality that is, oh, no, that's not that's not happening. You know, the Templars are very much still trying to take over the world, for lack of better terms. They're still very much trying to take down the Assassin Order. And it's just peace is not really an option where they're going to be fighting forever. Right. But this becomes a little bit of a recurring theme in the series, especially with Rogue. Like where Rogue, you play as a Templar and you understand. You you understand why an assassin would turn Templar, but you don't necessarily work. Shay Cormac does not work with the assassins like ever. Um, but that's that is a conversation that we'll have in about two or three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's it's the whole thing of trying to make the Templars more relatable because that's kind of the direction that they're going. Mm-hmm. And then you know it's not going to end like that. It, it just felt like an unnecessary thing to even write into the script because it just created dissonance that wasn't needed, in my opinion. And if, if that's kind of like, if that shock factor that you were talking about is what they were going for, I feel they did not do it very well. Yeah, and, and I, I think they were trying to go for that, and I agree. I don't, think it, I don't think it worked. I think it fell flat. 
it felt very out of place and weird because sometimes whenever things like that work out, you have a couple of, you have like a little bit of time to think out, like watch things happen where it may not work out. But in this case, you got a loading screen yeah, and the loading screen kind of let you sit there and you're like, oh, maybe it can work out like, and it just kind of is a weird cut, right? Because if you cut that out, like maybe it would be different, but I don't know. And not even a moment from like when Desmond, it, it could have been fixed very simply by like Desmond gets out of the animus and uh, Warren Vidic's like, we have your father. And so he comes and right as you begin to play as Desmond, Desmond goes, huh, so much for us ever working together, huh? Like <laughs> just something simple like that to kind of tie in like the fact of what they're trying to do. Yeah, very it, just, helpful. it just felt almost a little bit tone deaf. But overall, I think it was an all right game um, personally. And this is for me. I would place it under every single one of the Ezio trilogy. Um, but I, I would concede if you wanted to put it above Brotherhood. You know, I I wanted I was thinking about it, right? At first I was like, I might put it above Brotherhood. But the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, I don't know if I'd come back and play three. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's the thing. I enjoyed the time I spent in it, but I don't know if it's a game I would go, yeah, I think I want to play Assassin's Creed 3 today, but I would want to go back and play Brotherhood. Yeah, like Brotherhood is is forgettable and it's sandwiched in between two masterpieces, but it's more fun and there's more there and it's Ezio and there's a lot of incest. Yeah, a lot of incest. All pluses. And I'm not saying that like Assassin's Creed 3 is bad. Like if we were doing like a tier list that things could be on the same tier, I would almost say that I would say that Brotherhood and 3 are probably on the same level. I don't think there are any bad Assassin's Creed games. Like I, I really think that they've all been at least decent. Yeah, I think the worst Assassin's Creed game is probably going to go to one. Just because it's and and even then it's not a bad game per se. It's just yeah, it's just underdeveloped. Yeah, but you know, I, there there's I I don't know if I'd make the argument. I've been thinking about it. I don't know if I'd make the argument that three is better than Brotherhood. I would say that they're on the same level and it's almost as close. But there are a couple of key problems, like the boat stuff in that game is like people forget there's a boat sequence in that game. You know, you forget you can ride around in the boat. As I hot. try to forget. Yeah, the boat stuff doesn't. Uh, go out super well but without it like we wouldn't have the fun boat stuff that's in four and row yeah and i think i think that we only think that the boat stuff is so bad because we know what came after it exactly honestly. like the boat stuff at the time i remember i remember playing it at the time and being like whoa this is really cool like i could i can drive a boat or just captain a boat i should say and that was fun but now i'm just like i know what can doing. i drive the boat i like your ship it's not a ship it's a boat so <laughs> it's 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 on your shoulders Above Brotherhood or below Brotherhood? I think I would put it below Brotherhood, but not by much. I I I would I would completely completely agree. I I think that Brotherhood is a much much better game, but it's just so forgetful that I can't put it any higher above it. But I still do I still do edge it out. So it is currently from bottom to top Assassin's Creed 1, Assassin's Creed 3, Brotherhood Revelations and Assassin's Creed 2. Next week we will be talking about Assassin's Creed 4. Yo ho. Raven, any Leave parting thoughts? Lever Johnny Lever. Oh, Lever Johnny Lever. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this show. My name is Casey Johnson. For Raven Stad Miller. For us to Lever. Go brighten someone's day.